how much more, the older I get, how much more I love light because my eyesight is not as good as it used to be. And it's the light of Jesus Christ, the word of God that exposes. And I, and I love the light of God's word. I've always loved the light of God's word, even when it conflicts with something in my life. It reveals God's truth and my need to align with God's truth. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 24 today. The Gospel of John chapter 7. I just had this on my heart during worship. There's something that I miss about worship service that... Technology kind of uh, has caused to disappear from this church, and I'll explain the reason why. But So we don't take a formal offering anymore because 80% of the offering that comes, comes via mail today. We, for a while, this is a few years ago, we'd pass the bags, and it's kind of not worth passing the bags. But I think we're actually missing something. So it's thinking about children who are with us as we're worshiping. Do you tell your children, oh, by the way, uh, we have an automatic withdrawal happening. So they kind of they miss that whole thing. They get no example of gift giving to the Lord. And half the time, it seems like we forget to pray. It happened today for the gifts that are received here at the church and And we miss out on that as well. And so there's no formal offering. There's no prayer for the offering. And we just, you know, check the mail and it'll be in the mail. Checks in the mail. We also have online giving. So you don't even have to have check in the mail. You can just click a box and put your credit card in and do all that stuff. But uh, I think it's a part of worship that technology has destroyed a bit. The other side of it, technology has helped in regards to the gifts coming in. If you're doing an automatic withdrawal on your checking, you're on vacation, you know, it just kind of keeps things going. That side of it perhaps is nice, but the other side of it, we're missing out on that. And so I don't want to neglect the prayer for it, but also just the encouragement of our time together with the children. It's a time to teach. And uh, that's part of worship as well. And so let's go ahead and pray for the gifts. And by the way, we do have an agape box available in the back to the left as you exit today, if you so need. So Father, I just uh, 
Just thinking about that today, Lord, it's a part of worship that we miss. Uh, some people probably don't miss it at all. They feel uncomfortable with an offering plate being passed. But there are those of us, Lord, who just we know it's part of our worship, Lord, that we give back to you according to your word. And Lord, we don't want to neglect that. And we also, Lord, want to ask that you would be with us and, and just bless the gifts that are given to this place, whether they come uh, through a, a download these days or a check in the mail or the actual gift given here at the church. Lord, may they be used for your glory. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're looking at John chapter 7, verses 1 through 24. We've been going through the Gospel of John here in 2018. I've mapped it out, and Lord willing, we'll make it all the way through the Gospel of John here in 2018. I, I think I have 35 or 37 teachings planned, and with days off, or a guest speaker like next Sunday with Roy Schwartz from Chosen People Ministry coming in. And I can't think of a more timely message than having a Messianic Jewish believer coming to teach about prophecy and what's going on in Israel today. There's a lot going on in our world today, so I think next week's message is going to be very timely. But we're going to work our way through John's Gospel. I broke chapter 7 into two teachings and we'll pick up verses 1 through 24 today. We are in the third year of Jesus' ministry. It's known by the theologians the year of opposition. And it was a time that we read here in verse 1 that Jesus spent his time in Galilee. So it was a time that he actually separated himself from hanging out so much in Jerusalem at the temple. There was contention there. There was conflict. They wanted Jesus dead. So he spent much of this year in obscurity in the Galilee, teaching in the Galilee, away from Jerusalem. And we know it's the third year of his ministry because we have the feast days being marked for us. And here's something that's significant. Back in John chapter 6, verse 4, we learn that it was a Passover feast. Here in John chapter 7, verse 2, we learn that it's the feast of tabernacles. And so we know by the calendar year that it's five to six months has passed between chapter six and chapter seven. So John is jumping some time on us here. But the month, the Jewish calendar month of Ethanim is a very important month for the Jewish people. It begins with the Feast of Trumpets on the first day of the month. The Day of Atonement is on the 10th the Feast of Tabernacle, it runs through the 15th through the 21st, and the 22nd is a Sabbath's rest. And so there's a lot going on in this month for the Jewish people. It is a, a big month of worship for the Jewish people. As we come into John chapter 7, we find Jesus about six months before his death on the cross. And so today we're going to see a message I entitled, They Sought Jesus Verses 1 through 13, the question, where is Jesus? Verses 14 through 20, again, another question, who is Jesus? And verses 21 through 24, we'll see the work of Jesus. I want to go ahead and read the opening verses, verses 1 through 13, for context, and we'll open in prayer. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not walk 
or want to walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, depart from here and go into Judea that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret why he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Then Jesus said to them, My hour or my time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I have testified of it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not yet going up to this feast, for my time is not yet fully come. When he had said these things to them, he remained in Galilee. But when his brothers had gone up, then he also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, Where is he? And there was much murmuring among the people concerning him. Some said, He is good. Others said, No. On the contrary, he deceives the people. However, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. And Father, we just pray that you bless the teaching of your word to our hearts. This day we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So where is Jesus? At this time, he's in the Galilee. In verse 1, we find that Jesus walked in the Galilee. It was a time that he was really separating himself from Jerusalem, from the religious rulers, from the temple, from the conflict that surrounded him there. And he knew that awaited him there in Jerusalem. For the religious rulers had already determined that he should be put to death. But his time, his hour, had not yet come. This determination came from John chapter 5. We learn that Jesus, later on we'll read the verse where Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath day. And this was the initial reasoning of their desire to put him to death. But also, in John 5.18, there was two reasons given to us there. I'll read the second one now. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. And so we find in John chapter 5, there's two reasons that the religious rulers thought Jesus should be put to death. One, that he did the act of healing on the Sabbath day. And number two, that he equated himself to God the Father. So Jesus not only walked in the Galilee during this time, he worked in the Galilee, verses 2 through 5. We find that the Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. It was the month of Ethanim. And again, a very important month of worship for the Jewish people. And his brothers told Jesus, depart from here and go to Judea. Hey, if you're going to do the works that you do, you don't need to do it in obscurity. You don't need to do it in secret. Go show yourself to the world. That was their counsel. Now, there is a segment of the church today that believes that Jesus had no brothers, that Mary had no other children other than Jesus. In the Greek, I, I looked up the word because the segment of the church that teaches that Jesus had no brothers, they would say that this actually refers to his cousins. So his cousins said to him, 
But the Greek word is adelphos, and it means born of the same parents. So that's a brother, born of the same parents. But in this case, Jesus and his brothers had the same mother, but they had different fathers as Jesus being the son of God and his brothers, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, named for us in Mark's gospel, chapter six, verse three, were the sons of Joseph. And then at the nativity at Christmas time, we read from Matthew 1.25, and this is pretty clear. It says, Joseph did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. That is just a, a nice way of saying that Joseph had no sexual relations with his wife until after Jesus was born. And so the scripture is not confused on this issue. He had brothers. They were half-brothers at this time. His half-brothers did not believe that he was the Messiah. Now, can you imagine growing up with Jesus? If you think you got a bad in your household when <laughs> mom and dad yells at you for doing something wrong and compares you to one of your siblings, can you imagine being compared to Jesus? He was perfect in all his ways, even as a child. Why can't you be more like Jesus, Mary might say. So there might be a a little bit of resentment behind them of why at this time they did not believe. They may have heard a lot of stories, but there's also prophecy at play here. Jesus says in John's gospel, you search the scriptures for in them, you think that you have life. These are they that testify of me. And in Psalm 69, 8, in prophecy, it says, I have become a stranger to my brother's and an alien to my mother's children. And so there's prophecy at play in this as well. Thankfully, we know that James and Jude became true followers of Jesus Christ. We have their epistles given to us here. And although his brothers did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah at this time, they knew that anyone desiring to be known, well, they couldn't be known in seclusion. So they encouraged him, perhaps mockingly, his brothers pushed Jesus to show himself openly to the world. But we find that Jesus continued. He remained in the Galilee, verses 6 through 9. He said, my time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but the world hates me because I have testified of it that its works are evil. So Jesus tells his brothers, you guys go up, but my time, my hour has not yet come. He knew that it wasn't the time of his sacrifice, that it would be on Passover that he would offer his life upon the cross, but not on the Day of Atonement. We might think the Day of Atonement would be a, a perfect time scripturally. The Day of Atonement was a day that once a year the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. He would offer blood there on the altar of the Holy of Holies. He would actually go in twice the first time sprinkling seven sprinkles of blood upon the altar for his own sin, and then he would go out and return back in and do a sprinkling of seven sprinkles for the sins of Israel that their sins might be atoned for for the year. But this was not the time of Jesus' sacrifice. It wasn't going to be in this month, but during the Passover. So we find in John's Gospel there's this consistent theme of his hour or time, as it says here, 
My time has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. John would say his hour had not yet come. He did this ten times. And toward the end of the gospel, he would change it in saying that his hour had come when his hour was near. And so we find that Jesus was on this timetable given to him by his father and nothing was going to interrupt it or circumvent it concerning his crucifixion. Jesus already knew that he was hated by the religious rulers of Israel. And now he gives them a reason why the world hated him. Because he testified of the world that their works were evil. And we find this in John 3, 19 through 21. Jesus said, this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and the men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who practices evil hates the light and does not come into the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds might be clearly seen that they have been done in God. And so Jesus teaching about the light, (laughs) I'm reading that and I'm thinking, how much more the older I get, how much more I love light because my eyesight is not as good as it used to be. And I can see better if there's light. I may need glasses still, but I can still see better (laughs) if there is light. And, uh, you know, it could be that you'll want to show me something and I might say, wait, let me get my glasses. I normally wear them. Or I might say, wait, let me turn the light on. I need to get in the light to see this. And it's the light of Jesus Christ, the word of God that exposes. And I and I love the light of God's word. I've always loved the light of God's word, even when it conflicts with something in my life. It reveals God's truth and my need to align with God's truth. But the world itself, it hates the light of God's word. In fact, it hates the word of God. Do you know that in California right now, there are some bills that are going through the state of California that would actually speak against the Bible. We've seen them in our country, and and there is a bill that was attempted to get through in the state of Illinois that in our school system, and this is a school issue in California as well, that would make portions of the Bible outlawed here in the United States. It's coming, I believe. The world hates the truth because, well, Jesus said, because I spoke the truth to them, I testify that their deeds are evil. And that bill in California has to do with uh, homosexuality or the, uh, the acronym that they have now. It's not just homosexuality, it's whatever sexuality you want to be, but that there would be no controversial teaching, nothing in opposition. Do whatever you want, and you can't speak the truth any longer. Yet it's through the truth that we are set free. In John 8, 32, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So Jesus, though, we find he he did go up to Jerusalem. Verses 13, 10 through 13. In verse 10, we learn that he went up in secret when his brothers had gone up. They went to the feast. He also went up to the feast, not openly, but in secret. Six months from now, he would go up and the children of Israel would be shouting, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest! Blessed is the Son of David! 
Six months from now, he would go up. It would not be in secret. But this time he goes up. Because his hour had not yet come, he goes up in a stealth-like manner. But also he goes up, I believe, because he, he had to. See, Jesus being perfect in all his ways, he was required by the law of God in Deuteronomy 16, 16, three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord, your God, in the place which he chooses, that means the temple, at the feast of unleavened bread, at the feast of weeks, and listen, at the feast of tabernacles. Jesus had to be there to be obedient to his father's law. And therefore, he walked in complete obedience and compliance to his father's law. He was there at the feast. In John 8, 29, Jesus says, He who sent me is with me. The father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. Jesus was always in obedience to his father. And around six months from now, though, that he would come. He would come publicly and come with great praise. But we also know that although he came into Jerusalem with the shouts of people saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, in a few short days, they would also cry out, crucify, crucify him. So the fickleness of the people who come to worship God, we see that same fickleness in our own world today as well. So Jesus came up, verse 10, but the people sought Jesus, but secretly, the word tells us, verses 11 through 13, the Jews sought him at the feast. They had grown accustomed to this rabbi from Nazareth coming and teaching and doing miracles. They had over the last three years grown accustomed to Jesus being there and teaching them. It was probably, can you imagine, it was no doubt one of the best things going. No wonder they said, no man has ever taught like this man before. No wonder Nicodemus came to Jesus in John 3, 2 and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can do these signs unless God is with him. It was both his teachings and his miracles that took place at that time. But also the opinion, though, varied. We find in these verses, in verse 12, some said he's a good man. Others said no, on the contrary, he deceives the people. And to this day, people's opinions concerning Jesus, it varies greatly. In Matthew 16, 13 through 16, when Jesus was up in the area of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, he said, who do men say that I am? And they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, the others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Matthew 16, 16, Simon Peter responding and saying, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now we find that there is a variety of opinions today concerning Jesus. But really, it's that question that we each must come to a point to answer. Where is Jesus in our life today? Has he found a home in our hearts? Who do you say that Jesus was, is? Is he a good man or is he the son of God? Is he the Messiah? You know, the people sought Jesus. 
many of them sought Jesus. They lacked sincerity. They sought Jesus to fulfill earthly desires instead of looking to those heavenly truths. And this is something that continues to this day. They marveled over this one work of the healing of the man on the Sabbath. And Jesus would go on to proclaim that greater works I will do because I go to my Father. Greater works. And the greatest work that Jesus did is there at Calvary, on the cross, where he died as a sacrifice for our sins, that we might be saved and come into a relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They sought Jesus. My question for you today is, why do you seek Jesus? Father, we thank you for your word and for the truths that we find in it this day. I pray, Lord, oh, work in our hearts. Lord, help us to not reason because of appearance, but Lord, that we would seek you and the truth of your word, that we would walk in fellowship with you. And most of all, Lord, that every person in this sanctuary would know you as Savior. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.